In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 211th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. In this episode, we're going to take a look at the upcoming opponent, the Dallas Cowboys, who are also off to an 0-1 start. We have a very special guest to help us break down the Cowboys and Clarence Hill of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We're going to then look at the Falcons uh, who are on their new teams and what they did in week one. And then discuss some more of the Falcons uh, versus the Cowboys. Mike Nolan is the DC there and go over a few highlights uh, coming up on Sunday. And then we'll hear from... Offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter on analytics and going for it on fourth down. But without further ado, let's get to my good friend, longtime Cowboys beat writer, Clarence Hill, University of Texas, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, frat brother also. All right, here with uh, Clarence Hill of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Uh, for a special guest appearance on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. How you doing, Clarence? I'm good, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh, how many years you been covering the Cowboys? Uh, 24. 24 years on the Cowboys. All right. Yep. And so, I think four playoff wins. I was, just, I was getting ready to get to that, but... Um, uh, I really can't talk here. We, uh, you know, after the Super Bowl debacle. But let's get to the game. Let's preview the game. I saw it Sunday night. Uh, looked like, uh, you know, they everybody looked a little bit disjointed this week. But the pass rush, you could see that. Uh, you could see C.D. Lamb. What were some of your um, first impressions of the Cowboys on uh, offense? And then we'll switch over to defense. I mean, I mean, you, you saw the potential with, with the receivers with C.D. Lamb and and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and certainly Zeke is, is the player everybody expected to be the player he's been and he's been a big part of the Cowboys' success. Uh, Dak Prescott was very effective in the first half and he looked good. He was efficient. He spread the ball out to seven different receivers. The bottom line is they were inefficient. It was, at the end of the day, it was empty numbers for all of them. They scored just 17 points for all this firepower. They scored just 17 points. They only took one shot downfield, uh, and they didn't get it done. And, and they, this is a team that has to win on offense. That's where the stars are. That's, that's where they spent their money. That, that's uh, the calling card in this team was, was their offense. They had the number one offense yardage-wise in the league last year. But, again, the Cowboys failed to get it done uh, in a close game when it mattered most against a team with a winning record. Like, they didn't matter last year. The Cowboys are – one and nine in games that are three points or less. Uh, go down the line for us. Uh, how is the line shaping up? Um, I mean, the, the line is the line. I mean, the Cowboys uh, certainly we, 
Joe Looney is replacing uh, Travis Frederick, a five-time Pro Bowler, and 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 you know he's a, a, a lifetime backup who's starting pretty much, and so that's a weak link as well as left guard. You know, continues to to, to be a weak link for the Cowboys. And Connor Williams and right tackle right now is, is mystery me for the Cowboys. Uh, their, their top line right tackle, Al Collins, who was actually with their best offensive lineman last year, is out on injury reserve for at least three games uh, with a bad hip. And he's been replaced by undrafted rookie free agent Terrence Steele. Uh, Cam Irving, the free agent signing, was signed to be the swing tackle. Uh, started slow in camp. He was awfully got beat by, out by Terrence Steele to start in front of Irving. I mean, uh, to start uh, in place of... Collins, and then Cam Irving got hurt in the game, and he's going to be out for a while. So that they have a rookie undrafted free agent at right tackle. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, going over the defense, uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffith look like they could, could be a problem for the Falcons. Uh, how does that front, um, you know, shape up? I know you got problems at linebacker with the Vanderish out. The front didn't really get the job done against the Rams. Uh, they just had one sack. That was by Alder Smith. Uh, the Rams got the ball out quick, which kind of uh, mitigated uh, the pass rush, which the Cowboys believe was the strength of their defense with Alder Smith and Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin. They really didn't get a chance to get up to the quarterback because the Rams were getting the ball out quick. They was also running the ball pretty well and pretty effective. They had been long runs, but they had a lot of steady runs uh, uh, up the middle of that defense. So, you know, I think the, the Falcons are a different team. They like to throw the ball deeper down the field. They should get the Cowboys a chance to get after the quarterback and get to the quarterback. But in this game, they really didn't get there. All the Smith, though, here's a guy who hasn't played since 2015. He does not look like he had any rust. He was the Cowboys' best defensive player. He had 11 tackles. He had a quarterback hit the left to interception. He had a sack. He was all over the place. He dominated at times. Uh, he's going to be a problem. And the secondary, what uh, what's uh, going on back there? Well, the, the secondary is, you know, a lot of young players, a lot of, you know, you got, you got a rookie corner in Trayvon Diggs. You got Cheeto Woozy on the other side. You got Lindsey Brown um, as a slot corner. And then you got Xavier uh, Woods and Darian Thompson who's starting for the first time. Darian Thompson beat out Hyde Clinton Dixon, one of the key free agent signings and obviously the Kyle Clinton Dix was a first-round pick from Alabama guy who had experience with McCarthy going back to Green Bay, but he was awful at him. He got beat out by Darian Thompson, and he was cut. And, you know, there was so much talk about the Cowboys maybe going after Earl Thomas. They didn't do that. They're sticking with their guys that they have, but you know, they remain largely unproven. So, again, uh, Trevon Diggs and, and Tito held up okay against the Rams, uh, uh, but, again, they don't have – the firepower in L.A., at least the big-time receivers in L.A., that that, that uh, the Falcons have with Julio Jones. So this will be a huge test for those cornerbacks. Okay, and your specialist, how are the kicker, you got the kicker situation, punter situation, and returner situations for the Cowboys? Well, uh, let's just start at returner. Uh, Tony Paul doing quick offs and exciting rookie C.D. Lamb, uh, slot receiver, number one pick from Oklahoma, who's going to the main kick uh, punt returner. He had a huge 20-yard return in the opener, and he, he's, you know, he's a joy to watch. He's a joystick out there on the football field, and he's a big play waiting to happen, so he could have given up some juice on punt returns. 
Tay Freeman, uh, chosen from four teams, he told Josina Anderson uh, through his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. And so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, he uh, hasn't been signed. Uh, money's been an issue in other negotiations. So we, we don't know if he's ready to play at the price that teams are going to be willing to pay. But we saw Clowney go in. Maybe uh, Freeman, uh, Drew can get Freeman a deal that he likes. So just wrapping up Claire and stuff with the Cowboys. A great interview there. Um, great insight to the team. We, we should have that. You know, it's Zeke and the wideouts. The line sounds a little shaky on the right side um, with trying to replace Collins. Uh, so we'll see if... Um, That'll be Fowler going against an undrafted rookie, so that that should be uh, that's a miss that's a mismatch. So we should see how that works out. But yeah, Mike Nolan is the defensive coordinator there. Former, uh, we'll be seeing Coach Smith's hybrid four three three four sliding three four defense as the Cowboys are trying to play. Uh, Alden Smith, troubled young man, has found uh, the road the uh, right road. Uh, heard a little bit about it on the TV broadcast about his grandmother uh, telling him not to waste the gifts that God has given him. And, uh, you know, he's trying to do that and, and put his uh, apparently put his life back together. He hadn't been playing since uh, 2015. So they have um, they have him. Everson Griffin from the uh, Vikings and Demarcus Lawrence. And I think they're still trying to work back in. Uh, Randy Gregory. So, you know, they got they have some pass rushers in Dallas, and uh, uh, they weren't able to get after the Rams, but, you know, that's always a problem. We want to see uh, how the Falcons line will hold up. Coach Dan Quinn made it a point to say, hey, I wanted to see if the line could hold up when uh, we the other team knows that we're passing. And he felt that they did do that in the opener. Uh on Sunday against Seattle, but Seattle didn't have Alden Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, and Everson Griffith. I mean, they got Benson, Mayoya, Bruce Irvin, and uh, you know a couple other cats. But you know they they there wasn't no Demar nobody was blocking Demarcus Lawrence last week. Nobody was blocking Everson Griffin. Nobody was trying to block Alden Smith. But uh, maybe that built their confidence up too. So we'll see uh, with that. McCarthy. Coach Magic Mike, 135-85-2, and 10-8 in the postseason with a Super Bowl win. Uh, you know, this is kind of a, a coaching battle. Uh, you know, if something were to happen last season, McCarthy was going to be the best coaching candidate out there on the, on the market. And uh, I don't think the Falcons were enamored with that, so they stayed with Coach Dan Quinn. And, you know, because it would have been more of the same. It would have been going back to basically Coach Smith and his staff and uh, Nolan, because all these guys, Nolan, Jim Thomas, Sula, Philbin, that's the old Green Bay, San Francisco mafia, uh, coaching mafia, and uh, they put it back together in Dallas right now. So, you know, you got uh, Joe Philbin, uh, Jim Thomasula, Mike Nolan, all these former head coaches uh, retreading it down in Dallas. Uh, and special teams uh, coach John Fossil. Uh, Leon Letts on the staff as assistant line coach. You know, the old timers remember him blocking for Emmett Smith. And uh, uh, kind of strangely, uh, McCarthy kept 
Kellen Winslow as the offensive coordinator because of his relationship with Dak Prescott, the quarterback. So one of the other storylines will be Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott and Fourier Ulicon. We got a story up on AJC.com uh, about their relationship in uh, suburban St. Louis at John Burroughs High. Uh, I know Zeke played growing up in the, in the city at Matthew Dickey, Matthew Dickey Bulldogs. That was the first team I played for as a seven-year-old. Uh, played some guard and defensive tackle and then eventually uh, moved out to uh, – Moved out to tight end and uh, defensive end the next year uh, for the uh, Royal Knights. So I played a lot of Little League ball in St. Louis. And Matthew Dickey's a great program. They've done a lot of work with a lot of kids in, in the city there. And Ezekiel Elliott is one of the alums. Along with yours truly, dear Linda Ledbetter. Well, I didn't go on to the NFL. But the discipline you learn in youth football, you can take it into the classroom. And a lot of people have done that, and I think we did that too. But, hey, we're going to wrap here. I'm going to go to Dirk Cutter, 0 for 4 on fourth downs. That's not how you want to do it. Uh, you know, uh, he's only taking credit for 0 for 3 because the special teams, uh, Coach Kyle Week has got 0 for 1 on the fumbled snap, fumbled uh, run by – Sherrard Neesman, everybody saying, don't give the rock to the uh, D-back. <laughs> I was like, don't have the D-back carry in the mail. But let's hear from Dirk Cutter, and then we're going to wrap it up in this 211th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Here's Dirk. So, you know, uh, I'm going to always be questioning myself on every single play that's not successful. Uh, so, you know, you, you're either going to you're either going to blame the play caller or you're going to blame the execution. That's that's up to you when you look at it. Uh, and the, uh, being bold, he said you all wanted to be bold in, in that situation. Y'all going to still stick to that. Um, you know, are you fine with that? And then I wanted to talk about the running back breakdown with uh, Gurley, Ito, and Hill. Yeah, well, the analytics, Everybody, everybody's on the big analytic kick. And the analytics definitely are telling you to go for it. So uh, the numbers, the numbers say go. And, you know, you got to, if you're, if you're going to buy into that, you're gonna, you know, when you're right, you're gonna look good, and when you're when you're wrong and you don't get it, you're you're not gonna look good. And that's, hey, that's why for years and years and years people didn't go for it on fourth down, and now, you know, now they say that you should. And if you play that out over the whole season, you know, the percentages say they'll they'll work out in your favor. But you know, last night or yesterday afternoon, being 0 for three, they they didn't work out in our favor. So that's. Uh, I'm sure we're still going to do it, and yeah, I am fine with it. We have to, we have to plan it better and execute it better. And as far as the running backs go, uh, you know, we just by the time uh, after that first series in the third quarter, when we we went three and out, and then they went down and scored, we got the ball back with five minutes in the third quarter, and uh, we were down 16 points. You know, you don't have very many possessions left at that point, so the, the total game plan changed. I thought we mixed the run and pass really well in the first half. And, uh, you know, Todd got the majority of his carries in the first half. I think he only had two or three in the second half. We didn't run it hardly at all. That's all we ran it in the second half. So, you know, the, the breakdown as far as the plays, you know, when you're trying to when you're trying to play three backs, that's probably about well, what we expected. 
and uh, we we just like to be able to stay to stay with our game plan as far as mixing the run and the pass longer than we did, but time and score dictated that we that we go the other way late in the third quarter. There is Dirk Cutter breaking down the uh, you know they had to get away from the run they they played. The game, they, they played a half. That was good. That was good to see them put together a half. And in the third quarter, it went sideways. Once they, once they uh, gave up the bomb and then fumbled on the next possession, you know, it went downhill. So somebody on the sideline, when they, when they get, you know, kicked in the stomach on that bomb, they got to say, hey, let's go. Let's go get them. We got to go tip these guys back in the mouth. And the offense can't go out there and put them in the spot where they got to go for a fake punt to stay on the field. Uh, and then, you know, now you give up a short field and boom, you're down. So, uh, you know, I like them going for it, but, uh, you know, they shouldn't have shouldn't have to, you know, wait the fourth down. Handle that on first, second, and third down. So, um, you know, they did. That was pretty good. I thought, you know, your whole goal is to put together a whole game. Okay. They they, they didn't, they wouldn't, they put together a good half. Uh 14 to 12, they're battling, you know, you straighten out the problems, then, uh, you know, make adjustments, so you're getting touchdowns, not field goals, uh, you know, they, they were there, so I thought it was, I mean, I'm not killing them after going 0-1 on this one, um, didn't like the, uh, you know, didn't like the, uh, uh, the fact that they got blown out, but uh, they were playing for a half, so, uh, they got put together a whole game, and not having any exhibition games might have been a part of that. Uh, we'll see uh, where they're at after four games. I don't really want to judge them until I get four games in because uh, we'll see if they're able to put together a game at that point because, uh, you know, that's their exhibition schedule, really. Uh, they don't really have time to wait for games. Like Todd Gurley said, we can't fall behind in this league. So they got to try to put together, put it together pretty fast. And they'll try that in Dallas. So you can follow us on AJC.com. Shout out to my man Jason Butt and NBA writer Sarah Spencer, one of my former students at Georgia. They'll be covering the uh, team uh, this week on uh on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I have to go to St. Louis for a funeral for my Uncle Benjamin Ledbetter, my dad's uh, brother. My dad's the oldest. Uncle Benny's the second. He's a former military man, police fireman in St. Louis, one of the first blacks on the St. Louis Fire Department. Uh, I think he went up to captain at two there. He also... Uh, the owner of the Lead Smokehouse Barbecue Restaurant on Grand Avenue for a long time. I would always uh, stop in there and get me some some rib tips on my way to my dad's house. And then uh, he also owned the Speakeasy. I didn't frequent that uh, lounge over there on Florissant Avenue. But uh, if I needed to see Uncle Benny, he always had a, a little stack of cash and always broke his favorite nephew off. So... Going to pay my respects to him and uh, Jason and Sarah. I have the coverage uh, holding it down for us this week. And uh, I'll be back on Friday and get ready for the game on Sunday. So with that, uh, we're going to get out of here. You know you can always follow us on Twitter at DOrlandoAJC. We got to catch up to Clarence. He's got more 
followers than us, so we need to we need to work on that. Y'all need to go ahead and get get on Twitter and handle that for us. Uh, also, AJC.com, you can bookmark the Falcons page and our Facebook page, Atlanta Falcons News Now. Everything goes out on all those channels, and we appreciate uh, you stopping by to enjoy the coverage. With that, we're going to wrap it up here with the. 211th said 10 when I was talking to Clarence but it's 211th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons music by DJ Magic AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.